0: On today's episode, we talk about seduction. Just kidding. We're going to talk about uh, purchasing houses overseas, the Department of Justice, the lawsuits, even rebranding a major real estate brand here in the US. Let's get started. You talk about it privately. We talk about it publicly. This is the Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered Podcast. Welcome again to the Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered Podcast. I'm your host, James Twiggins, along with my co-host, Keith Robinson, aka Crazy Uncle Keith. Keith, tell us about what is coming up on this episode.
1: Today, we've got Brian Bewero, who's with Thousand Watt Consulting. They do some really, really cool things in residential real estate. Yeah, I'm going to ask him about the importance of brand, uh, some of that conflict between the industry and the agent and the who who's at the forefront of it. I'm sure he'll have an opinion on the Department of Justice stuff because everybody does. <laughs> uh, so yeah, brilliant mind. Can't wait to pick his brain.
0: And uh, so he just did the uh, rebrand for Berkshire Hathaway, their company right. did, uh, uh, as well as as Brian also used to run Inman News for Brad Inman. So lots of juicy content. All right, Brian, welcome to the show. We are excited to have you here with us today. Uh, I figured we would start with just telling the listeners and viewers just a real quick thing on your background um, and then I want to dive deep into like some of the things you're working on or exciting projects that you've done recently. So I'll let you take it from there and then we'll follow up with a bunch of other questions. So
2: sounds great to me. Thank you for having me guys. Of
0: course.
1: Uh, so let's just start with, well, I have a question about his background first before we dive yeah. in. All right. Have go. you ever gotten in a fist fight over a brand? <laughs> no, no, no. Close. What about close raised voices? No. No. No, no, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Okay, Keith. <laughs> good. Yeah. That's probably why you're good at what you do. Okay, but yeah. tell us just a quick. We'll give the uh, we'll right, give the, the rundown. You before, want me to, but...
2: I'll give you the quick, just, just the quick, quick story. Yes. So, um, I've been around real estate and marketing and media and tech for 25 years, and uh, never sold real estate. Never been a broker. Um, started out at Inman working for Brad, learned a lot, been running Thousand Watt for fifteen years. We're a creative agency that works with all kinds of companies in the space.
0: And you got some you've done some recent big projects too, correct me wrong. Berkshire Hathaway you guys just recently worked on as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh we did what uh what you might call a brand refresh refresh for Berkshire Hathaway Home Services globally, which uh you know you call it a refresh, but it was a major endeavor because you're touching you know
0: everything multiple mm-hmm.
2: countries, thousands and thousands of uh, professionals, different franchisees it was it was a thing.
0: Go but- into that just a little bit without specifics to them. but what goes yeah. into that because I don't think people understand what a brand really is versus like (laughs) something you do on Fiverr yeah (laughs) you know like tell tell them a little about that process yeah
2: well I mean look a brand is not a logo first of all right Um, right I think you guys know that right but
0: not everybody Um, does
2: not everybody (laughs) does the logo uh is not even what we would call the brand identity right The, the logo is like a component pipe a part of it it's like the the capstone on a structure It includes all kinds of stuff, texture, grids, uh, pattern, color, type, all of that type of stuff. And, um, you know, ideally, the brand uh, is reflected in the visual identity, right? The visual identity and the logo up there at the top sort of reflect out the essence of the brand or some characteristics of what makes uh, a certain company a certain company out into the world. So... For Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, you know, people tend to focus on the logo on these things. Hmm. And uh, sure, we changed the logo significantly, but that was not the lion's share of the work, right? So in this case, you had to think about, well, how does a a yard sign look or an A-frame look or an open house flyer look in Lisbon, Portugal and Los Angeles, right? right? And then you have to make sure that it works for Hundreds of franchisees and tens of thousands of agents and you know, that's where
0: the real work happens How long does something like that take just curious What was the time frame?
2: Oh That took several months probably it may have even taken six months because you know, you're getting into stuff like You know, you're testing colors, right? Right. What you know getting swatches and all that type of stuff I mean, you know some of this but you know, the way something looks on the screen uh as a color is not how it looks out there in the world again on signage or you know environmentally with inside of an office sure.
0: right? sure. so
2: you know it's a hundred little details that you know go into like stitching that full suit of clothes that is the identity
0: and are you guys do did you do a lot of consumer feedback on things along the way how did that involve in the process as well just curious
2: uh, in this case, uh, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services has an, an agency of record, right? Got it. Uh, ad agency that does their TV and all of that stuff. They don't do identity, what we do. So they had done a ton of research, right? right. So we jumped on that. Where we focused our research efforts was in talking to uh, agents and franchisees all over the country, right? So we want to we talk with the guy in Dubai who owns the Berkshire Hathaway franchise and say, okay, what do you need? Right, and This, right. We talked to, you know, people in our own backyard the same way, right? And, you know, as you know, um, <laughs> there's a shall we say uh, a diversity of opinion on these sorts of things.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you mean real
0: estate?
2: Weird. Somebody, yeah. somebody writes this. That's the right? understatement
1: so, of the podcast so far. So far, you
2: kind of have to thread the needle on these mm-hmm. things, and um, you know, that's well, where you, you gotta, let me help you, you take not.
1: Your time let me let me help you unthread that needle let's just talk about the needle that we're trying to thread how do you balance that independent contractor nature ness that's not a phrase of residential real estate with brand at the same time how how do you marry those two things you've got an agent who often says i'm the brand and then you've got a brand who says i'm the brand and the agent is yeah. the one with the relationship with the human being but they are intertwined and how do those in your mind that push-pull mechanism of the right mix just That's a question speak on that a little bit for us well
2: you you address it and, and deal with it through seduction
1: oh I like that yeah. you pay hey, no, I mean, my I attention mean, sir yeah, yeah I mean,
2: <laughs> you know this is uh this is a business as far as the agent broker dynamic goes of carrots not sticks mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. Um, if you want agents to co brand with you or to place their brand beneath your brand, you have to make them want it. You have Mm. to draw them uh, to that conclusion. You can't. I mean, sure, you can try and mandate it, but that's not going to go great in most cases. Right. So you have to create something that agents want to be a part of. Um, I think compass has done this really well. and, uh, you know, I mean, you, if you create something that makes agents feel good mm. and look good, then they will be drawn to it. Mm. If you have something that looks like garbage, they will fight you tooth and nail because they don't want anything to do with it.
0: Right. Right. That's why you see a lot of that out there. Wasn't it back in the Hobbs Herder days where it, that's a lot of that started? If I remember correctly, that I go really far back right now.
1: You did. Really, uh, really, I went like, really far back. Yeah, I think I'm the old guy here and you went back. That, that was I call yeah. that like um, you know it's like
2: prehistoric branding yeah. <laughs> and, um,
1: From you the know it's Paleo-thoic age or whatever that's called that one that kind
2: yeah like yeah. you know i mean look that's <laughs> yeah i could we could talk for an hour on that but that's you know <laughs> for those of you who aren't 100 years old that was the days in the 80s and into the 90s. of like, hey, I'm the agent who plays tennis, right? So I'm going to do a big-ass brochure of me <laughs> in my tennis outfit with a racket. Or I'm the guy who wears the crazy hats, right? And, you know, that's – you're creating, uh, I suppose, recognition and awareness, but you're not building a brand.
1: Right, 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 right. 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 Oh, that's, it's a that's a fair point. an excellent distinction. That is yeah. – uh, yeah, of, yeah, yeah, being memorable doesn't mean you're a brand, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's an excellent
2: You can be widely re- recognized for being a jackass, right? <laughs> I mean, that's...
1: Why do I feel attacked right now? I yeah, feel like I mean, well, he was me. referring to yeah. you. So, oh, okay.
2: yeah, uh, yeah no, 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 not at all, Keith. Yeah. Not, I yeah. know,
1: I know. He's we like, like no, actually talking about James. Hey, actually. You started with seduction, so you you headed us yeah. down the trail of weird. So, so I
0: want to ask you a question. I think it's a it's kind of an interesting uh, piggyback on it. So, you talked about working overseas and just how do you how do you develop this brand to work globally, as you put it. So, you know, I know you recently uh, got to purchase a, a place in Italy. Congrats. We're all jealous. Keith and I were both asking if we can use it, by the way. We can talk yeah, can about you that. Leave after. Um, you leave the key under the mat.
1: We leave the key under the mat.
0: But relevant to a lot of the things happening in, and we'll get to this, I think it's important for us to talk about like the industry and, and where you think it's going to end up. But what was the experience like to buy in Italy versus here in the United States? Better, worse, different pros, cons? Like, what is your what was your overall take in general? Like what do realtors do there versus here?
2: They do lots of the same things. And um, I think importantly, given uh, recent developments, um, commissions aren't tied together. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, look, I it worked perfectly fine. We, we did some homework in advance and, uh, you know, we found an agent, we talked to agents over zoom and, uh, we found one we liked. We said, uh, okay, how, how do you get paid? And she said, well, uh, uh, you pay me 3% of the purchase price. And we said, okay, that sounds great. And, um, you know, man,
1: I guarantee everyone per- listening wishes their listing presentations went that way. Just well, for the record. <laughs> No, I, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Yeah.
2: yeah. No, we put her through the ringer. but am it, it, sure. <laughs> it was like, okay. And, uh, you know, we flew over there. We spent uh, a week and a half looking at places and uh, we found a place that we liked. She wrote an offer. She was uh, invaluable to the process and I was more than happy to pay her 3%. And uh, she articulated what she did in advance and then she delivered on it. So. Uh, You know, in that sense, uh, if you if you look at that as a potential future for the U.S. market, it's not really all that scary. Um, It's just different. And, um, you know, there is no MLS, of course, which um, didn't really pose that big of a problem. I mean, the properties are on the damn Internet, right? It's not like they're hiding under (laughs) the rug. You can find the properties, but you don't have a lockbox. You know, it was real hard in terms of the agent right and the legwork she had to do to not have that platform to collaborate yeah. uh that was the big difference so and then no you, time, everything was paper which was insane
0: so would you say that it was harder to it was it was a harder process for the buyer's agent because there wasn't more of a standardized process like we have in the United States right. from that perspective. So there was more work that she was having to do to, you mean for get information, access as access, it's sold, it it sold to, get
2: access to yeah. I mean, we must've looked at 20 apartments over a week and a half. And she had to phone down every agent, <laughs> you know, uh, they don't use email. It's all phone and back and forth and back and forth. And I mean, it was, the agent would have to meet us there. And it's ridiculous. There's no lockbox, and there's no MLS. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, set of rules that govern how agents work together to do transactions. So, you know, that's a big me- missing piece. But the compensation piece was left hand right hand. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what the listing agent paid. I, I gather uh, roughly the same as we paid, but it was like totally divorced.
0: And uh, so, how would that apply? In the United States, in your take, in the sense of, you know, having buyers to have enough money to be able to do that here. I mean, let's let's go down this road since we're talking about it. So what does that look like if, you know, obviously a lot of these lawsuits, they, they stem from the simple idea that they want compensation separated. They want buyers, agents to be paid by the buyer and sellers, agents to be paid by the seller. Yeah. So in, in the U.S. with, you know, where you're financing and you've got buyers scrambling to put everything down, do you see that? that model working here in the future or do you think there's going to be a lot of strain on buyer side representation and commission i'll put it both ways uh,
2: yeah i mean i think the great benefit of the way it works now from a buyer's perspective is it just doesn't feel like they're spending any money right and you could argue about this ad, ad nauseum sure. but at the end of the day the only money in the deal is produced by the buyer and or their lender right, right. so it's eventually you know, if you go might... down
1: far enough it's the buyer's money that's paying everything yeah, totally
2: right so yeah. like and, but it, but yet it doesn't feel the, buyers, like, you know, it's like you're, you're in the casino and you're playing with chips, it doesn't feel like money. So yeah, that's going to be a hurdle if you have to stroke a check, you know, to an agent, you know, to put them on retainer or pay them by the hour, um, unless they change the rules around that, which maybe they will, maybe they won't. So yeah, I mean, there's an affordability dimension, I think the presumption uh, behind a lot of this thinking animating these uh, lawsuits and possible regulatory actions is that, you know, look, this is going to have the effect of degreasing uh, commissions at, across the board, right? And uh, if that happens, well, it'll be kind of a net, it'll be a wash, right? I mean, you won't be able to finance them. That would be some money paid up front, but you're not going to be paying uh, two and a half to 3% of the purchase price if you're a buyer.
0: That's the theory. Yeah, That's
2: the theory. I'm not sure that's um, a sound... Uh, I don't agree with that
0: logic personally. It's yeah, just my opinion, I, but yeah. I know.
2: I mean, look—if you look around the yeah. world, you know, buyers' representation is actually not common, right? Right. right. It, and if I were to take this, you know, if you say, okay, let's take a, a really weird case, Australia, where you right. sell a house, it's a bunch auction. of buyers are going to be on the lawn and do it as an auction.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure.
2: Last time I—I I, I mean, you tell me. Have you read? about some sort of bankruptcy crisis in Australia because homeowners or homebuyers bought crappy houses? I don't know. It seems to work. So, uh, yeah, I I tend to think of uh, this in sort of a stoic way, right? What's going to happen is going to happen. Many will be able to adjust. Um, Some won't. And those that don't will will exit. And we need people to exit anyway.
0: Mm, Yeah, well, there's... You mean no people being
1: industry folks? Not. I mean, the There's bigger. Too many pro- realtors. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. just think, and we don't have to belabor this too much, but we. I believe we have an affordability issue, and down payment is a big piece of that affordability issue. And it's a huge piece. of This it. will exacerbate that if it goes the way some people think it will go. How do you yeah. balance all of that in what's best for the people who? they just want their house right that's their experience that they're having yeah. and and they we can't use that so that they overpay but we shouldn't yeah. in trying to fix that they overpay break the ability for them to go do it right and that's yeah. the yeah. that's the teeter-totter that that currently yeah <laughs> or that over the coming years will be uh, going up and down right yeah i mean is it i know i'm a dramatic oversimplifier but Couldn't we just have uh, North Carolina today as it requires buyer broker uh, agreement signed, right? And I I think it's less about who pays and more about knowing how much everyone's getting paid. So if we just said nationally, everybody's gotta sign a buyer broker agreement now, I know this is, I'm waving my magic wand of silliness, uh, but but allow me for just a moment. Wouldn't that meet a lot of the requirements for which are cited in this suit. It would be I fully mean, disclosed sure. and everyone I think would know. And...
2: I, uh, yeah, technically, right? But yeah. I think there is a larger sort of ideological or normative, shall mm-hmm. we say, belief behind a lot of this legal and regulatory energy right now. And that is that, sure, even if you make it transparent, commissions are too damn high. If you read that memo from the judge when mm-hmm. they. Certified Merrill as a class, you know, they use the legal term in in antitrust stuff about the but for world, right? And but for this noxious conspiracy between the N.A.R. and these big franchise franchisees and brokers, their expert witness said, well, buy side commissions would probably be about one and a half percent. Right. So I'm not sure transparency and openness kind of neutralizes it, you know, uh, NAR changing the rules in terms of uh, allowing brokers to show buy side compensation certainly didn't call off the dogs so sure. no i no. i think there's a larger you know vision of what things should be behind all of this
0: well let me ask you this cuz i know this is a good segue to you've done some recent consumer uh, surveys yeah those um, have been awesome and, by the way and those, those have been awesome great. thank you for mm-hmm. sharing for sharing yeah. one of those for me to see some of that data that i got to see at the conference we were at Talk to us about a little bit because I think this is a good piece. Like there, there's one side that thinks that all this stuff should change, and then you've done surveys asking consumers these very questions about their experience with their agent, and yeah. you know what are they willing to do, what are they willing to pay. Like, can you go deep on some of the really interesting insights that you found from doing some of those studies?
2: Yeah, I mean, the net of it is this: um, when we ask people um, if the, on the buy side. So we did, for example, a survey of of people have bought in the last three years and we asked them, you know, hey, did you know how your buyer's agent got paid? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, about a third said, yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, another chunk said, kind of. And 11% said, I had no idea. Right. No idea. Mm -hmm. And then we said, well, okay. Um, Did you feel like you paid? For your agent services or you feel like the listing agent paid or the the seller paid for your agent services 50 50 split nobody knew what was going on so this is like a huge self-own uh, within this mm-hmm. industry by, by shying away from that conversation and just, you know, unless it comes up, we don't deal with it, mm-hmm. you know, culturally, you know, uh, Keith, you mentioned North Carolina, it's required yep. some places, yep. buyer brokerage, very common other places. It's like, we don't talk about
1: that. We right? don't talk about so those theories, like,
2: <laughs> you know, to create that, that, that vacuum of mm-hmm. ignorance is just, I think it's dumb. Um, but when we actually ask people um, and we've done this with recent sellers and recent buyers, hey, your agent was paid this and we actually break that down into specific scenarios where we say, um, uh, your agent spent 40 hours and uh, you know the, the gross commission was twelve thousand five hundred dollars that comes out to like X hundred dollars an hour. How does that sit with you mm-hmm. the large majority are like yeah that that sounds fine it's about right about right. right, right very few say that's outrageous and a ripoff mm-hmm.
0: um so i think um do you think that's because it's what do you think the reason is because do you have to have dual income to do anything anymore in the u.s <laughs> like everyone's busy it's the single largest transaction most people ever can do their life like what is the reasoning or logic that you found from you-
1: that From people that. didn't know or that that yeah, they were okay I, I with think comments. it's um the okay well, think part. Part, mm-hmm.
2: part of it is part of it is ignorance right I mean as you know I was just saying sometimes people don't even think to ask don't care to know the other part of it is I think um uh, the the fee relative to the scale of the transaction right, right so if right. you're if you're That's buying a million dollar home Okay, and um, you know you're going to pay twenty five thousand dollars on the buy side, and you kind of sort of think that you know well the seller was paying that anyway, and it's just funny money that's all settled up at escrow. I just don't think people feel it. I don't mm. think they think about it or feel it, and um, I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, as much as we want to think that people are rational, you know, no,
1: they are not. Calculators. <laughs> We've learned anything, not, yeah, lately. Right? People are not.
2: Yeah, you're not. And, um, you know, I I think that explains quite a lot of it.
1: I, I, I agree with everything you've said. I guess I'll add a point that I also think that the, the intimacy and the connectedness of the relationship between, you know, you spoke uh, quite adoringly about your agent in Italy and the work that she did and how she serviced you and the way that she took this really complicated process, added the mystery of a foreign country to it. And still managed to exceed your expectations, and you were happy to pay it, right? And I I do think that that is a a component of the why people are okay with it, right? Is oh, absolutely the shepherding and 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 the it's human beings. We spent way more time around a campfire than we have around a Zoom screen or on a podcast, right? And we're very used to leaning on another human for big, big decisions. We don't do those in a vacuum. We seek counsel. Uh, and so I think that that's a piece of it too, right? All the things you've said, they don't think about it as much. And then when they do, like when you broke it down for them and said, okay, your agent made X, Y, Z per hour, they were like, yeah, that, that sounds great because they were happy with the service that they received.
2: Yeah. Because you know, my lawyer makes at least that, right? I I hate my lawyer.
1: I hate that guy. (laughs)
2: I hate that guy. I don't even like him, but I love my agent. To your point, Keith, yeah. I think we're kind of saying the same thing. We are. Right? We are. Yeah. I
1: yeah. Mean,
2: there is. I, I. I think that there is something at the end of a real estate transaction that, if it goes well, and look, the NAR surveys tell us most people love their agent. There's yeah. an after. There's mm-hmm. an afterglow. Yeah.
1: Right? yeah. 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 You have yeah. This,
2: this this moment of intimacy, and then there's the afterglow where we're back to seduction,
1: have, Brian. I like I, this. Yeah. I, I, yeah.
2: <laughs> But 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 I think it's real, right? I don't.
1: It's legitimate, hundred percent.
2: You helped me do this thing that was like so intense emotionally, right? Uh, Like you, thank you. I'm forever indebted. And if you made twenty five thousand dollars for selling my house or helping me buy the house, awesome.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it's also an emotional thing because of the fact it's a home. Yes, it's not. You know, when you're dealing with your lawyer and. I get it. <clears throat> we have a lot of them <laughs> and work with them. It's like yeah. I'm dealing with you on something I don't want to be doing and I'm right. having to pay you for it versus a yeah. house. You're like, I really want this. I want to raise a family. It's important to me yeah. and it's the only one I want. And thank God you got it for me. And that's funny because the numbers, if you and you know the surveys as well as I do, like the use of a realtor continues to be an all time high. It dropped. A slight tiny amount, mostly due to in institutional buyers and everything else. <laughs> right. But for the most right. part, it's been yeah. right around 87 to 89%. Um, yeah. Even with all the advent of all of this tech to disintermediate, mm. it's still people choose a, a real estate agent. So yeah. um, it's it's interesting to look at those correlations. Um, so let's transition to a couple other things here before we uh, we have to wrap up the show. Um I got like two questions and we'll, we'll end on this one, but I, I want to go back to this branding. And this is where you guys really strategy and branding are like, you guys do it so incredibly well. So if you were launching a real estate brand tomorrow, like you and you and Mark and the whole crew were like, screw it. We're no longer going to offer our services. We're just going to get into this thing and do a brokerage. Like, how would you approach it? What does it look like to you? Is it virtual? Is it brick and mortar? Is it a, like, I saw this thing, you worked with a company that did like a coffee shop thing. Like, yeah,
2: you know, yeah. Uh, well, I'd buy a Next Home franchise. Oh, thank <laughs> you. I appreciate
1: that plug, for sure. So, 20 uh, bucks. Somebody Venmo. Uh,
2: you know, uh, that's a that's a really complicated question. I guess, forget the economics of it, because yes. having an office and having a really nice office and being boutique it's not like that can't be profitable in certain markets, sure. right? You don't sure, have sure. to be virtual. Like, it, I, I would say the number one re- requirement um that would be important to me would be command and control Mm. over my people Mm. because the people are the uh, the most important implements of the brand. Okay. And then also that the brand have a point of view. Mm. How should real estate be done Mm. and why? Right. And those would be most important to me. And I, you know, on the first one, command and control, it, that's the beauty of teams. Teams are little, you know, units of command and control sure. mixed within a brokerage with no command and control in many cases, right? So, um, and having a point of view is important.
1: I, um, I love the, the point of view. The, I mean, I the both, money part. Both points. To, yeah, yeah, but the no. point of view part is so important. And too often, I think the industry tries to be all things to all people. I agree. Totally. And your point of if you that's when they are the most happy, right, is when they find yeah. an 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 agent and a brand that resonates with how they feel yeah. it should be done. Or I guess in yeah. this example, how it should be done to them, right? or that experience of buying yeah. and selling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look,
2: whatever you um, uh, however viable or not viable you think Redfin is or whether you can't stand Redfin doesn't matter.
1: Have a point I really of view always, i've yeah. always admired
2: uh glenn. That company and glenn for having a point yeah. of view
1: yeah well and that's the rubber meets the road when you have to perform on your point of view right like airlines yes yeah. oh i forget which one is the friendly skies but i know they aren't friendly right um no they never were you, right you never <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and so there you have a miss between the slogan and the experience and that's the, <laughs> no wonder they're in and out of bankruptcy right but uh, if you can align your point of view with the truth and how you act and what you do I think that's where the beautiful music happens.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. Um, I think you I, I think you were I'm sure you were in the room when I was when Glenn was talking about some issues that were important to him and he took a stand yeah. on those issues and I remember just I, I honestly panned the room because I'm always like it's going to be yeah. interesting to see how the room reacts <laughs> but it was funny but what was interesting was I, I there certainly were lots of people that wouldn't agree with Glenn's point of view but I honestly everybody admired the fact that he said it mm-hmm. like I yeah. felt like the room was like you could tell that. Some people were like, nah, and then, but, but they were all like, but I respect the fact that you took a position and you're willing to say that. So, yeah. you know, maybe there is there, I think that's a, it's a great, that's a great comment and certainly something I think, I think our industry could do a better job of across the board. So take mm-hmm. us home with this, um, cause you've been doing this a really long time and I always love listening to you talk on stage about sort of Man, the future and
2: change. I'm super old. I,
0: you are. <laughs>
1: Really right. no,
0: I mean, it's, better, it's better than the, I yeah. mean, I guess the, the alternative Like a long could, time yeah. the, a, you
1: know, <laughs> it, it depends if the alternative
0: is Death or retirement forever. Right? Yeah, forever uh, Give us Give us this, five years The next five years, and just Tell us what you see, I mean, like you said You used to run Inman with Brad, like you've seen It all, so like you've, you have a very Unique perspective that I always admire so what do you think things are going to be in five years? And give us the holistic. Like, is it going to be a co-star takeover at Zillow? Like, just kind of go where you, Where do you think the interesting things will be in the next 60 months?
2: Um, I, I always answer these type of questions by um, saying that we should never underestimate the, the power of the the way things are in Mm. this business right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there is such an inertia and it's because it's very diffuse and there are it's fragmented right what makes this industry screwed up the fragmentation is also what protects it
1: it makes it defensible right which keeps it (laughs) which keeps
2: it from changing Mm -hmm. so i you know you talk to me about the the metaverse of blah blah i'm like you know whatever but I don't know, I think that we've reached a real problem um with the volatility over the last three years in the market, you know uh with the the realtor population, and I think that the scarcity that we are experiencing right now in terms of homes to sell and the severe drop in volume, I think we're gonna have A real realtor crash that is probably going to be more lasting than the one coming out of the great financial crisis. I do think that that is going to happen um, because I just don't think that this industry is prepared to feed this many mouths. And, um, you know, I I think the the consumer, you know, uh, was dragged into uh, a very exhilarating two years. And so were hundreds of thousands of people who joined the real estate industry. And I think they're going to be washed out really quick. And, um, you know, I, I hope that over time that, among other things, possibly a change to the way commissions are done, right, results in a leaner, meaner, more professionalized real estate industry or. I could just be thinking, thinking wishfully, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Or so, there's... so
2: there's a little bit of, of you know, I hope this happens in there, but mm-hmm. I, I think, it, I think it will happen. The defining characteristic, characteristic of the industry for the next few years, I think, will be scarcity.
0: Sure, and I think we, can, I think everybody's sort of feeling that. Certainly, as everyone you talked in the industry is seeing adjustments happening around the board. Um, yeah. Companies got to get back to basics and a little bit more lean and mean than they were. Um, or they need to get lean and mean and and be a little bit smarter about expenses. Yeah, I'll add one point to it. I think to your point, maybe this is what you're saying. I'm just putting
1: uh, less eloquent words to it. But I I think it's going to be a terrible time to be average in this industry. And I think it can be (laughs) a really good opportunity for those who can be excellent and Mm -hmm. that they will thrive and capture market share. and, And they won't have that sense of that feeling of, of lack that that because you're right i think in a lot of the things that you're saying and the ones who are going to get washed out are the below average or the average or the average and below right and that's going to leave more opportunity for market share for the great so it's 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 level up time right if you're going to try to grow this business and be in this business it's time to level up
0: Yeah. yeah For sure. Brian, thanks so much for being on the show with us. We so appreciate your insights. Lots of good lots of good content. We'll be for sure hitting you up on that house in Italy to you Key under I the know. mat. Leave the yeah, key hey, under hey,
2: the hey, mat. I'm, I'm gonna uh, require a big security deposit for you guys Yeah,
0: especially well, me. I get it. Can we, can it. we finance that? Just yeah. curious. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike yeah. versus yeah. up front. So yeah. uh thanks for being right, here Brian. You,
2: thank you for having me. I appreciate
0: it. Of course, thanks, of course. Listen, we care about you deeply, which is why we never want you to miss an episode of this podcast. Subscribe now. It's just a push of a button.